You're listening to The Souvenir Shop, a podcast about random objects from the past. Number 20. The Music Box. Warning, this podcast contains strong language. A small wind-up music box that plays Anton Karras's Harry Lime theme from The Third Man. For those who haven't seen the film, Harry Lime, played by Orson Welles, is a friendly, charismatic, lying crook making tons of money by selling tainted penicillin in the bombed-out ruins of post-war Vienna. During the first decade of my son's life, I spent far too much time working abroad. In a pathetic attempt to assuage my guilt over this, I often returned home each Thursday evening with a toy or knick-knack from whichever country demanded my services. He still has teddy bears from all over Europe, a Lufthansa model aircraft from Germany, tribal masks from South Africa, and the third man music box. You may have guessed by now that many of these were last-minute purchases made while waiting at various airports for my plane home. That he is growing into a kind, funny, intelligent and well-rounded young man is due either to a miracle of resilience on his part or the repeated absence of his terrible, neglectful father. The souvenir shop at Vienna Airport is stuffed with variations on the theme of Mozart, Marzipan, Klimt, Sachertorte, Strauss and, of course, the third man. Its theme is one of those earworm pieces of music known by millions even if they don't know its name and have never seen the film. I bought the Harry Lime theme music box for €10 on the same day that I returned to vote in the 2016 Euro referendum. This is certainly not the place to argue the pros and cons of Brexit. I voted in much the same way as I suspect most other people did, oblivious to such trifling complexities as the Customs Union or the Northern Ireland Protocols. If anyone asked me at the time, I probably gave the trivial reason that I didn't want to make my ordeal at various airports even worse by not being able to join the EU citizens' queue at passport control. I touched down at Stansted on the 23rd of June in a country where, despite our differences, we mostly rubbed along fine, and returned to Vienna on Monday the 27th, leaving behind a country racked with division and discord. The same minicab driver took me to Stansted each week, picking me up at around 4.30am. During the previous months, we'd passed the journey genially discussing the music of David Bowie, favourite Bond films, or the prospects for Tottenham Hotspur in some or other upcoming fixture. This time he brought up the subject of Brexit, asking me how I voted. For my sins, I then endured a lecture along the entire length of the A505, which roughly encapsulated the editorial line of the Daily Express for the previous decade. We have no way to protect our borders, he said. All our laws come from Brussels, the Spanish are stealing our fish, our country is being overrun with terrorists posing as asylum seekers, on it went. After telling me that the French are our natural enemy, he paused for breath. Hold on a moment, I said, immediately regretting my interjection. We haven't fought a war with France since Waterloo, and they've been allies in every major conflict since. Oh, maybe you're thinking of the Fashoda incident of 1898. 
The what incident, said the driver. Fashoda. It was some kind of standoff in Sudan between Britain and France during their African land grab, where we almost went to war until both sides realised it wasn't really worth the bother. All right then, what about President de Gaulle saying non? He hated us. He might well have done. But he was mainly suspicious of whether the UK was serious about being part of the European project. I think he may have had a point. I tried changing the subject to the forthcoming European Championships. If anyone still remembers the 2016 Euros, the England team's performance was truly dire, leading some wags to comment, In a fortnight we've been dumped out of Europe twice, once by people who live in Iceland, and once by people who shop there. He wasn't having any of it, and fell into a sullen silence. I realised at that moment what went wrong, and what's really been going wrong ever since. I would wager that this was the first serious conversation about the EU my driver had with someone who voted Remain. But I have to admit, it was probably my first conversation about the EU with a committed lever. He voted in good faith, based on what he'd read, what people in positions of trust told him, be it face-to-face -face or watching TV, along with whatever gut instinct he felt confirmed by carefully targeted social media. And in my own Guardian reading, podcast subscribing, tofu eating, targeted social media idyll, I was probably the same. I arrived at the office in Erstebank, Vienna later that morning, where two dozen faces in the project room turned to me, ranging from blank to smirking. What the fuck have you done? said the Belgian project manager without wishing me a good morning. I shook my head sadly. And who the fuck is this Boris, he added. Who indeed, I shrugged. I was working on a new system implementation with a team of technical and functional consultants. Within the team were Hungarians, Germans, Italians, French, Serbians, Poles, people from all over Europe working towards the common goal of getting the job done and returning any remuneration plus bonus to our respective families. At one o'clock, the entire office went for a long lunch where they pumped me for information on what happens next, mistakenly believing I had some special insight into the UK's political relationship with the rest of the EU. For want of anything else to say, I cited the British media as a prime cause of Brexit and trotted out the much-repeated quote from Rupert Murdoch's evidence. When I go into Downing Street, they do what I say. When I go to Brussels, they take no notice. Through the various trials and tribulations since 2016, through even the torpor of Get Brexit Done, I have held on to the congenial atmosphere of that lunch, where people of all nationalities, needing no borders to protect, ate schnitzel and drank Austrian wine, with not a natural enemy in sight. I think we'll get back to that one way or another, either in my lifetime or in my son's. My simple hope is that we don't have to suffer any more Harry Limes along the way. That was The Music Box, written and read by Matthew Diamond. If you enjoyed this, then why not hit like and subscribe on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. And I'll see you next time.